of Worship, your source for commentary and discussion on worship, theology, and culture. I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. Welcome to the Act of Worship podcast. This is Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones here today in Psalm 46 in this journey through the book of Psalms, the Psalm Project. We are almost a third through the book. It's hard to believe, but here we are at Psalm 46. This is a familiar psalm, although I will say that it is only partially familiar. Um, Psalm 46, as the title suggests, to the choir master of the sons of Korah, according to Alamoth, a song. Uh, This psalm has some affinities with Psalm 48, Psalm 76, Psalm 84, and Psalm 87. And so all of these psalms together, all five of them, are referred to as the Zion songs. And though Zion is not specifically mentioned here, it is alluded to in verses 4 and 5. I'm going to read the psalm, but let me read these verses to you. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help when her morning dawns. Martin Luther was moved by this psalm to write the famous hymn, Ein Festeberg. That is the German for a mighty fortress. A mighty fortress is our God. Psalm 46. Let's get into it. Let me read for you Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present in help and trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and form, or roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God, and I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Verse 10 is the one that is usually familiar. I've told this story before, but I was at a conference once where a guy asked everybody to quote Psalm 46.10. And so we all... Collectively, he said, I'll start it, and then you finish it. So we all collectively, he said, be still. And we said, and know that I am God. And then some other people mumbled something. I was like, man, these people really don't know this verse. He said, I'm going to do this again. Be still. We all said, and know that I am God. And at that point, a few other people mumbled something. I couldn't really hear what they were saying. And he said, I'm going to say the whole verse. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. That is the entire verse. Often what we concentrate on is be still and know that I am God. But there is a second part of that verse. I will be exalted in all the earth. I will be exalted 
among the nations. And so God's heart is for his own glory, for his own fame. And that may make God sound conceited, which he is conceited. Some people do not like to hear that, but God is conceited. He is all about himself, all about his glory. In fact, the sacrifice on the cross was about his glory. The gospel is not about us. It is about the glory and the fame of God. In verse 1, God is our refuge and our strength. Now, let me talk about um, uh, omnipresence and omnipotence. I want to read you something from Dr. R.C. Sproul, what he says about omnipresence and omnipotence. Uh, this is talking about the strength of God here in, in Psalm 46. That God is our refuge and our strength. So listen to this. Dr. Sproul says this. God is present in all places. However, we should not think of him as filling space, for he has no physical dimensions. It is a spirit that he is everywhere. Although it surpasses the understanding of body-bound creatures like ourselves, God himself is present everywhere in his majesty and his power. Needy souls praying to him anywhere in the world are in his sight and receive his personal attention. Belief in God's omnipresence is apparent in Scripture. When Paul speaks of the ascended Christ as filling all things in Ephesians 4.8, Christ's availability everywhere in the fullness of his power is certainly part of the meaning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are omnipresent, though the personal presence of the glorified Son is not physical, in other words, in the body. I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of you, uh, of yours can be thwarted, Job, Job 42.2. Job testifies here that God is omnipresent. He is all-powerful. He's almighty. God has the power to do everything in his perfect wisdom and goodness he wills to do. Omnipotence does not mean that God can literally do everything. Hear me on that, okay? Omnipotence does not mean that God can literally do everything. For example, God cannot sin. He cannot lie. He can't change his character. He can't change his, na his nature. He can't deny the demands of his holy character. And he cannot make a square circle because the notion of a square circle is self-contradictory. He cannot cease to be God. But all that he wills and promises, he can and will do. So was it excessive for David to say, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Was it excessive for another psalmist? In Psalm 46, here, to declare, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. It would have been a fault to say such things if God were less than omnipresent and omnipotent, but the knowledge of God's greatness, including his omnipresence and omnipotence, produces great faith and high praise. Now, I know that was a little bit lengthy, but here the psalmist declares the omnipresence and the omnipotence of God. He is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. God is everywhere. And so when people quote Matthew 18 and say, you know, let's say you're, you're going to a worship gathering and there aren't that many people there and you might hear somebody say, well, where two or three are gathered in his name, he's there. And that is completely taken out of context. Okay, so yeah, God is everywhere. So you <laughs> that's kind of a, a pointless statement. 
God is everywhere. So it's pointless to say, well, we're two or three gathered. We, yeah, he's everywhere. That that scripture is in the context of church discipline. So people use that way out of context so often. But the question comes to mind, if God is omnipresent, if he's everywhere, what about hell? Is God in hell? And the answer is yes, if he wasn't there, he wouldn't be omnipresent. But yes, he is everywhere. The difference is, in heaven, God is there and exuding his mercy, whereas in hell, he is exuding his wrath. So yes, God is a very present help. He is everywhere. In verse 2, it says, Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. This is a vivid description of the turmoil, the challenges that this psalmist faces. So a violent earthquake is described here, and there may be ancient Near Eastern portrayals of cosmic violence employed here even. God overcomes the sea to accomplish his purposes. In verse 4, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Ancient and present Jerusalem have no river, okay, there was a river in Eden, you see that in Genesis 2.10, as well as the river of life that flows from the throne of God in Revelation 22. And so that could be what's referenced here. And it says in verse 4, the holy habitation of the Most High. As the Israelites looked to the temple, they felt secure in the symbol of God's protection. And later in history, the people regarded the temple as a kind of idol that would save them from the Babylonians. You see this in Jeremiah 7. And in this psalm, however, their trust is faithful and obedient. It prefigures the security enjoyed by God's people in the eternal city that's to come. And as I just mentioned, Revelation 22 that discusses the city of God. Verse 5. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. Ancient Jerusalem indeed fell to the Babylonians. That happened in 586 BC. And, but the new Jerusalem will stand forever and ever. Again, Revelation 22, 22, 5, we see this. When the morning dawns. And so in the campaigns, fighting commenced at the first light. In this type of warfare during this time, uh, the armies, the soldiers, fought during the day. They did not have lights as we do today. They did not have advanced technology, radar technology, where they really didn't even need to see. But the point is, God's help will not be slow. Verse 6, the nations raised, rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. So at the voice of God, the tumult of the rebellious is stilled. Forever. Verse 7, the Lord of hosts is with us. This is a refrain, and you see it again in verse 11. And it when I say refrain, I mean it's repeated in the psalm. And it reflects the consolation of God's people enjoying his protection. And then verse 10, be still. In the true knowledge of God and his deliverance, there is a peace. In, contact, in contrast with the trouble that we see in verse 6, the nation's rage, the kingdom's totter. And here the psalmist contrasts that and says, be still and know that I am God. So there's a peace 
And then again, that refrain concludes the psalm. The Lord of hosts is with us. I hope this is a comforting psalm to know that God is with us. The God, the Lord of hosts, the God of the universe is with us. And he will not leave us. He won't forsake us. And so what a great and amazing comfort that is for the people of God. So here is Psalm 46 set to music. Thank you for listening today to the Act of Worship podcast. This is Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. Yeah.